You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Our reading comes from Acts 2, verses 1 to 12. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard his own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what? does this mean? There we go. There we go. Just the hand held there. Thank you. Thank you, Jewel. Thank you so much. And so, yes, we're going to speak about something that happened 2,000 years ago and something was born 2,000 years ago. There's this thing, you may have heard of it, called the church. <laughs> and so as we look at this, we get to, you hear the saying when you, when you work in a church or when you go to church, you hear people say, oh, that's how church is meant to be. Or that's how church has always been done. Or that's how church should be. When you look at these passages, you get to see how church began. So you actually get to see how church was done, what church was about and what was the DNA of the church. And so we're super excited to take you through this passage this morning. As I read, I couldn't get past though the first bit. Uh, I actually hadn't noticed it before. And it says, it's up here, it says, the day of Pentecost arrived and they were all together in one place. Admittedly, I'd assumed that because Jesus 40 days before that when he ascended, had said, wait for me in Jerusalem and then I'm going to, I have to go so the counsellor can come, the Holy Spirit, I thought that's why they were together. It is. <laughs> but the second bit is, now they're in verse 5, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. Made me think. That seems like more than the people that were there. That seems like everyone 
was there? What were they doing? So I dug a little bit and I didn't know some of this stuff and I was super encouraged by some of the things that came out as I unpacked. What, first of all, why is everyone in Jerusalem? And as I read into it, I looked over that there was actually a festival happening at the time. That's why everyone was there. Festival of, it has a couple of names or there were a couple of festivals. The Festival of Weeks or the Festival of First Fruits or the Festival of Pentecost. Pentecost being five, Pente, five, Pentagon, five sides. Pentecost being 50 days after another festival, the Passover. And so if you don't know about the Passover, I'll be brief because I reckon a lot of us do. The Passover is when the ancient Egyptians, or Egypt, well, Jews in Egypt, got released from under the Pharaoh and now set free from their captive. And God, the final straw, was his spirit was going to come through the land and was actually going to take the firstborn of anyone that didn't have the lamb's blood across their door. It wasn't what God did initially. It wasn't his first step. But it got to that stage that he wanted his people free. And so those that had the lamb's blood were free or passed over. Passover festival. Then became Easter when Jesus used that time with his own blood to save us all, release us from our captivity of sin. The next festival. I'm not going to be talking all about festivals this morning, but I love the depth of what is going on here. And so the second festival that came after Passover was the festival of unleavened bread, which means they ate bread. Anyone want to guess what they ate bread? It was unleavened, <laughs> hence the name, the festival of unleavened. But you're allowed to laugh at that. It was funny, you're allowed to laugh. Um, very quiet today and everyone's, look at this. Besides John, I can, everyone's back here. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try to just get you to have a reaction because I can't see you all, you're all the way back. But unleavened bread. And where that started, the Jews, released from Egypt, couldn't grab everything as the Pharaoh is chasing them out of town. So they don't have the luxuries of home. So they don't bring oregano. <laughs> they don't bring their spices. They forget the leaven. So this period was eating bread that was pretty basic. They then used it as a season. It was known as a season of waiting after Passover, where you'd wait. And leaven representing sin. So after Passover, after they remembered they were saved, they would wait for around 50 days and remind and ask God, what is the sin that needs to be removed from my life? What, what needs to be removed? The leaven from my bread. What's Jesus do when he stands on the beach and ascends? He says, wait. Because he knows they're going to do that anyway. Wait, I've got something for you through this season of unleavened bread. The last festival by different names then, at the end of this, they would have the Festival of the Weeks or Festival of First Fruits, where they'd take the first of their harvest, all come to Jerusalem if they could, and give it to God. And then they would celebrate what God was about to give them and what God had given them through this harvest. They also celebrated the Torah, which is essentially 
at least for now, for the sake of this sermon and the length of it, essentially the Old Testament, what Moses got on top of the mountain when he spoke to God. And so they would have this massive festival where they celebrate God's generosity, God giving them the Torah, the word of God, God giving them the harvest. And what does Jesus use that festival for? To give the Holy Spirit. As I unpack this, and this is why I wanted to start on this, and this is because it's my first point this morning, which is, Number one here, and I've got the controller, so I don't know why I'm pointing at it. God is in control. God is sovereign. The way these festivals line up, the way God often shadows things, David, the good king, the king shadowing the king to come, the Passover, God saving people because of the blood of the lamb, shadowing, foreshadowing, the real Lamb of God, Jesus, saving us all from our captivity of sin. The unleavened bread, time of waiting, foreshadowing the waiting for the Spirit and foreshadowing now as we have the Spirit and we wait for the return of the King. The first fruits, the generosity, God giving the Torah, foreshadowing the Holy Spirit dwelling amongst us. And the church, foreshadowing the kingdom one day, now and then, that will come in full in Jesus. He know, he, this is not an accident. Jesus didn't stand on the beach and say, let me think, wait 40 days. <laughs> he knows what is going on since the Trinity, the Father, Son and the Spirit put it all in motion at the beginning of time. He knew we would need redeeming and he knew how he was going to redeem us. hard to see though sometimes I can say that Sunday but then I enter Monday and something just comes left of field and I forget who's in control who is a part of it right my oldest girl Aria um, around Christmas this gone Christmas she's missed question three four go, or four year old now going just question 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 what are you doing that what are you doing that what's what's that what's that what's that she watched the prince of egypt actually recently and she's been asking questions about that she calls every bible she sees now the egypt book because she looks for the picture of egypt because she's watched the prince of egypt it's very cute but she's just everything's a question christmas she says to me daddy why are you in the garage so much? Daddy, why are you coming out of the garage after hours with paint on you? Daddy, why is a hammering going on in the garage? Daddy, why are you and mum in the garage and why are you here arguing over things? Daddy, why are you clearing this spot in the yard? Daddy, why are you putting a tarp down in the yard? Daddy, why are you moving? The, and, and just went on and on over about a week and a half previous to Christmas. Christmas Day. Daddy, where did this cubby come from? Where's this cubby come from? And how did it it's fit in that spot you prepared? Where did, what, what's it doing in my yard? 
And it's a simple example, but sometimes life is that confusing. What's going on? Sometimes, unfortunately, it's harder than just paint-covered dads. We go through some suffering, loss, anxiety, stress. And we go, what is going on? What's this about? The festivals were pointing towards the future. The Passover being the Lamb of God, the unleavened bread, the season of waiting, and the first fruits and Torah celebrating the Spirit of God that will come and dwell amongst us. It says in Luke 12, 25, Who by you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? God is in control and every story in his word shows this, that he has it mapped out. He knows. He's not surprised. He's not up there saying, oh, I sent the Holy Spirit around the time of first fruits. Oh, that was a happy coincidence. He knew it was coming. He knew, and God used that day while Jerusalem was full and celebrating God's gift to give a massive gift, the Holy Spirit. And boy, it's an event that Jewel just talked about. The power. Do you know what happened? The word for Holy Spirit, one of the words for spirit is domino. Domino. So what happened is, People observed what the Christians did once the Spirit hit them and they exploded across Rome and in 300 years they'd taken over Rome as the main faith. Dynamite wasn't invented then, but when it was, they thought, what explodes? What's the equivalent of what explodes like dynamite? Dynamo, dynamite. They named, essentially named it after that word of just the massive explosion and power that came on this day. It was something to be reckoned with. Something significant happened. Jesus said, I have to actually leave for this to happen. The birth of the church, which is put simply the Holy Spirit dwelling among people and in people. And so my first point, well, I'm going to have three points today. My first point, you've already heard, God is in control. Ari had no idea why I had paint on me, had no idea what I was doing in the garage. But I hope to know that as a four-year-old, she thought, Dad loves me. I'm sure it's for my good. I'm sure it'll work out. In the same way, we know the Father is in control. He will work it towards his good. He knows what's going on. The second thing that challenged me is the Holy Spirit is not ours to manage or manipulate. A little bit of information on the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much in more conservative circles. I get that. My training, my theology degree, it was more in conservative circles. Church of Christ, although not explicitly, 
is more conservative by practice and nature, but it's part of the Trinity, <laughs> so we should be talking about it more, and absolutely. And so let me just tell you a little bit about the Holy Spirit, as we should be speaking about it. It's one part, third part of God. Sometimes we explain it as an energy or a force. It's not, not just. The Bible is clear that the Spirit is actually a personhood of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. John 14, 26. He will teach you. In John 15, 26, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. This is important. Because they were not just filled with a power or an energy or if you like Star Wars like me, a force. It wasn't just that. Deeper than that. To have the Spirit of God amongst us, in us, yes, powerful, but it's also transformative and it also has a will and a way that we submit to. What are you doing, Spirit of God? Where are you sending me, Spirit of God? Not, I've got this really cool idea, Spirit. Can you do it for me? Where are you going? What are you doing? So often the Spirit of God can be spoken about like it's, we, 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 have the, we can manipulate it. If you say the right words, uh, if you command the Spirit like it's a pet or it's a magic spell, It's just simply not how the Spirit of God is spoken about in the Bible. It's a personhood. It has its own ways. It's God. There is no managing or controlling going on in Acts 2. (laughs) Peter gets up and the best he can do, which is phenomenal, they're not drunk. And I like this. I like how human the Bible is. Often we try to distance away from... but. It's what makes it real. He doesn't say they're not drunk because they don't drink. He says they're not drunk because it's only nine in the morning. He, that's how real this is. This is how human people are. You know, it's, it's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk. I'm not saying that excuses anything. He's just, that's the best he can come up with. There's fire or what looks like fire on people's heads. He is not managing this. What he does instead is points back to it and says, look at what's going on. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about how God is sovereign. He's worked through King David. He's worked through Moses. He's worked through all of this. And he's pointed up to this very moment where he died and rose again and said, wait for this. And here we are now. Repent and believe. Not managing it. Just kind of directing it towards the source. Do you know what, uh, youth group, I was part of a youth group. Um, as Josh said this morning when he welcomed us all to Southport Church of Christ, he was very nervous about this, welcome to Burley, but he was excited. I was at a youth group at Southport Church of Christ when I was younger, and back in the day, this was before you had to do paperwork forms about this high. This was more compliance insurance. You guys had youth groups that I hear was even crazy. You could all get back in the ute, back of a ute and head seven hours north and do whatever you want. In my day, we could do this thing called 
we, we um, and I can tell because Josh isn't here, I said to him, we're not giving the ingredients because he's not trying this out. We'd go down the beach and the leaders would wrap some, um, like a ball of mesh with linen and caro and light it on fire and they'd have a fireball and we could kick it round. I could just imagine trying that now. <laughs> We'd have a call from Church of Christ Conference within seconds going, shut it down, and understandably. But back in the day, you could do that. And so we're kicking this fireball around, and I'm a teenager, and there's girls there. And I'm like, how could I leverage this? How could I, what could I do with this ball that would impress them? Typical teenage mind. If I do something dangerous, the girls are going to be impressed. Maybe they'll like me. So I try to pick up the ball, try to juggle it, because of course that's what's going to get the girls. Maren was in my youth group, so I was probably looking, oh, I wonder if she'll notice. I picked it up. I had, I was, no, hang on, I'm not dumb. I knew that if I put some sand with it, I could pick it up. So yes, I was dumb, because <laughs> I picked it up, and I had burnt fingers for the next couple of months. I ran, ran down to the water, had to put them in the water, crying in the dark, um, as I'm trying to soak them in. It wasn't cool. I didn't leverage. But I thought, here's something cool. I can manipulate it or leverage it for my own agenda, my own purpose. And this is important, church. And I say church because this is the birth of the church we're talking about. It's important to note what happens here because it says something about who we are. Humankind has this, it's just our sinful nature, we see something awesome and we go, how do I leverage it? How do I manipulate it? How do I control it? Acts 30, uh, not Acts 32, Exodus 32 is a great example. I won't do the whole passage for time today, but look it up. Exodus 32, Moses goes up the mountain. He's gone for just a moment and his people get bored. And then his second in charge, Aaron goes, let's build a calf of gold. We love things that are managed. Sounds silly, a golden calf to us, but we do the same thing. God's a bit quiet. I'm in the desert. I need something I can control, manage. Golden calf will do. I worship that. This is why their leader is on top of a mountain getting the Torah from God. That's too much. The mountain stuff's too much. I just need my nice golden calf that I can bow to. They create an idol. This is important to note, humans, what they do. The church didn't summon the spirit. The church didn't create a structure or a building even, or a certain shade of colour, even a certain song. They didn't have, to be honest, the perfect constitution they didn't have the leadership structure and processes in place. They just gathered together around the Spirit because God was doing something and there was no controlling it, manipulating. All they could do was gather around it and repent and turn to Jesus. God was entering into humans' lives. You often hear me say, I've got it on cards, we gather. And the reason I've put that down as kind of a little bit of a statement we do is because I don't know another way to explain it. We don't control it. We just have the privilege of gathering together 
through the Spirit around Jesus and what he has done. This building, our paint colours, the songs we sung in both services, the way we organise our op shop, the style you like, the religious words you like, the pictures in this room even, the things you like about church, they are not church. They never were, they never have been, and they never will be. Church is when people gather around Jesus. As simple, but as deep as that. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff they did in a couple of weeks in Acts 2.42, but it's about gathering around and repenting and returning to God because he's allowed us back in through Jesus. Sure, nothing evil about administrating it, nothing evil about stewarding it, nothing evil going, hey, we, don't have, a, we have too many to fit in the house, let's build a structure for that, that's fantastic. But church, don't be like the Israelites and make it your golden calf. It's just stuff to manage us. <laughs> it's just stuff to help us gather. Don't let it become the golden calf. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is not ours to manage or manipulate. Number three, the Holy Spirit wants to be shared. Within moments of the Spirit landing, dwelling, what's it do? It gives them tongues to tell others. It wants to be shared. You see, the Spirit, if you know your Bible history, and I know a lot of us here do, it used to be condensed to a tent. Then because we're human, and because God knows we're human, it's condensed to a marvellous temple. He knows we need a place. And if you know it's stuck behind a curtain in what's called the Holy of Holies, it's about three times the thickness of this, about a phone book thickness, and it's a massive curtain. Don't go in here unless you're the holiest of holies. And you're clean. Very exclusive. Anyone know what happens the moment Jesus dies? You can call this out. Rips down the middle. I hear, and it's not wrong, this statement, but I hear people say, oh, that's so we can get in now. No, not what happens in Acts 2. It's so it got out. It got out and we've been made clean through, if we repent, through Jesus. It's out. Jesus goes one step further. It's totally offensive teaching in the day. He says, you're the temple. You're the carrier of the Holy Spirit. There is no building. There is no golden calf. There is no stuff. It's just you and the church gathering around the Holy Spirit and it can now reside in you. It's out. Yes, we don't get to control it. We don't get to manipulate it. We get to share it. It's out. So what this means is you say, and I'm making this up, I'm thinking back to when oh, different places I've worked, but say you've got um, a Daryl and he's in your staff room and he's eating cucumber and tuna sandwich and you can smell it. He's sitting here in the staff room. And you've got Susie. She's on her phone. You've got the TV on and you're sitting in your staff room. No organ, no keyboard, no liturgy. Pale pale walls, TV's talking about the royal wedding, 
you're bored, it's mid-shift, the Holy Spirit is there. You're there, you're the carrier, the Holy Spirit is there. And guess what? It wants to be shared. I hear people go, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying. No, I understand that. It's a personhood, it has ways and wheels and it's a, a lamp on our feet. But we know what it wants to do <laughs> in the bigger picture. It wants to be shared. It wants to set other captives free. It wants to live amongst community. It wants to get out there. So much so that it doesn't muck around. Within seconds of landing, it's spreading itself to whoever will listen. I joked with the morning, they'll get this more because they like the keyboard synth. That kind of, they, they call it Holy Spirit keys in some churches because it's just a synth. See, I love that too, but you don't need it to have the Holy Spirit. This movement, 300 years, had taken over Rome. If the Spirit and the church can influence Rome, then the same Spirit can dwell in your staff room, your craft group, your classroom, your accommodation where you live, your surf club, your committee meeting the park where you walk, the local store, even, is it Cherry Red Cafe? Even there. <laughs> the spirit is there and it wants to be shared. Simply just ask it, obey it, and see what, hap see what happens. And you'll say this, and this is where I'm going to finish today. You'll say, Steve, it isn't that simple. And without offending anyone, Seriously, Jesus has made it that simple. It's not free. It wasn't free. Jesus paid the price. You do nothing. You bring nothing to the table. Jesus has done it all. And he wants to pour out. If you've repented, accepted, and you follow him, he wants to pour out his spirit. He wants you to be allowed to set the captives free. Even in your staff room, even in Cherry Red Cafe. It looks different to everyone and everyone's gifts. It doesn't necessarily mean getting up and delivering a sermon. It can be building a relationship, but it wants to be shared. It wants to be shared, church. And you have it if you know him and have accepted him. Jesus made, got rid of the tents. He got rid of the temple. He split the curtain. He fulfilled the law and he made the spirit of God available. It's always been the plan. You don't need to manage it, and it's too good not to share. What I was going to do in both services if we had time, but we don't, so, and I knew we wouldn't, so I did plan to not do it. I was going to actually just let us sit in silence for a bit. We won't do that this morning. Instead, I'm going to ask you to do that at home. Two things I'm just going to ask, real simple. This week, make some time to stop, acknowledge the Spirit is there, and just listen. I'm not saying fire will land on your head. It might. But the Spirit wants to dwell, wants to move, wants to transform and wants to be shared. Sit in it. Bill Hybels has a chair he says he uses in his house and when he sees the chair, he knows I need to sit. It's a particular chair and he just sits. Read some scripture, of course, read the word of God and listen. The second thing I'd love you to do is when you get up in the morning, before you check your phone, and I need to do, this is a challenge for me, so I'm not, I need to do this. Instead of checking the phone and seeing what the world has to say, 
Instead of me even addressing the fact that Belle's probably told me she's got a full nappy. I say, just wait a second. <laughs> but for all of that, I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? I ask God, what do you have for me today? What a privilege. And you know what? I, probably not you guys, <laughs> but I forget to do that some mornings. Even if I dare say it, I didn't do it this week. But next week, I want to I challenge us. Start your morning with God. What do you have for me today? Bell, just hang on. I'll change your nappy. Phone, just hang on. I'll get to you in a second. Coffee, you'll be made in a moment. I'll get dressed and everything else. God, what do you have for me today? I'm excited. Let me pray and then we're going to sing one final song. Father God, thank you so much that we bring nothing except ourselves, repentance and submission to you, Lord. Father, stir within us as a church. Bless the time we make for your spirit this week. Bless those times of silence and solitude as we sit and listen. And Lord, may we not forget in amongst the golden calves, the organisation, the building, the things we like, the style, may we not forget that none of that compares to who you are. None of that is big enough to encapsulate how great you are. Stir within us this morning. Go with us this week, Lord, and may this church be known as a church that gather around God himself and represent Jesus in their daily walk. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.